This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. Peak too early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good, Steve. I'm getting used to this not running thing. Um, you know, my weekly mileage over the last month or so was like 15 miles one week, nine miles the next week, 114, and now I'm sitting at zero and zero back to back. I've attempted to get out for a couple runs, but still hasn't happened with the Achilles. But, you know, I played golf this week, so that was cool, and that was more fun than than running. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm kind of getting used to it a little bit. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I I really just couldn't be better. Mike, you you may be out of commission, but I'm back, guys. I went for a run the other day. I, I held up. I mean, I was exhausted during it. But the body held up okay. I started to think, you know, maybe maybe I do have a chance to get in good shape this summer. I hit the golf course like you did, Mike, yesterday. I played a nice full 18. It was a beautiful summer day. I sucked, you know, absolutely terrible, which just made me think more and more, got to focus on running. Got to have some sports. not going to be golf this summer if I'm going to hit it like that. So I'm back in the running game. I'm going to be able to relate to all our running listeners out there as I, as I slowly build up the miles. I, I am back, boys. Trent, can I, can I just say one thing? You know, I get to see your face, your beautiful face, once a week, and the the evolution on a weekly basis of just, you know, a little bit more grizzly looking, the beard's getting a little bit redder, the hair is getting, it's like I get to see one week snippet at a time, and it it's uh <laughs> it's getting pretty wild, you know. I looked in the the mirror today, this morning actually, and I had just a, a ball of lint in my <laughs> my beard, and I just. I looked, and it was the first time I really realized how unruly it had gotten. Like, I knew it wasn't neat, right? But it's the quarantine beard. A lot of people are trying out the quarantine beard, and that's the level I thought I was on. And then I found lint in my beard, and I realized it is now just so unruly. We need, like, a time lapse of all the videos over the past month, just kind of Trent's beard getting bigger. I I would love that. Well, hey, I, I went for a run today. I had, you know, we finished up our challenge a couple weeks ago, and I circled May 26th on the calendar as the day that I was going to officially start getting back into shape. So I woke up this morning. I was like, we're doing this. We're going for a run today. Today's the day we start the comeback trail. Sure enough, it was like the hottest day of the past two years. It was disgusting out. I tried going for a run, but it was not pretty. The, the knee bent, though? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, we got we got it going. We got it loosened up. We got it running. Yeah, we're 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 back on track here. Mike, for I don't how, mean to, for how long? Who knows? Mike, I don't really want to you know make you feel bad right now, but I mean, how how demoralizing is your Achilles right now? Is there is there a chance you're out for an extended period of time? It's one of those things where I don't really know the full extent of it because I don't want to push it too hard, right? And I don't want to like come back too early, and. It's definitely some kind of tendonitis because it's one of those things where, like, right now I can feel it. I could definitely, like, get through a mile. It's just, like, at what point is it going to start to be unbearable and how bad will it be? And I'm not really ready yet to kind of find that out. So 
I'm just letting it rest, letting it kind of, you know, the inflammation go away. And as we get closer to our next challenge, I'll start to pump the tires. But you know what? I did like five or six weeks worth of mileage in that one week. So I feel like I could take a few weeks off and I'll be fine. Like honestly, yeah, I'll probably be in, I'll probably be in better shape than I was a month ago just based on that one week. When you went through your miles, I don't remember exactly. It's something about nine, fifteen, zero, zero, a hundred and twenty or something. And I was thinking your average is pretty good. I mean, you've been doing yeah. thirty to forty <laughs> miles a week for over a month and a half now. It's impressive. I got to keep it rolling because if I, I got to coast off the fitness I gained from a couple weeks ago because I'm pretty convinced that my next injury will in fact be my last one so i'm like one <laughs> like i got a little bit of motivation right now but one good injury it's a wrap i'm done my running career is officially over so we keep saying this fitness that we gained a couple weeks ago <laughs> do, do you actually think that we gained that much fitness over the week competition like do we i get that we ran a crap ton of miles but I'm not sure how much more like fit we got over that period. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll change that. Not necessarily fitness, but confidence that I can do a long run again, right? Like it's been a long sure. time For since sure. I've really done a long run. And I did like I did like 10 long runs two weeks ago. Yeah. So like that's my fair. confidence to be able to get through like a decent training run, like a long run, that's back. So I'm, I'm counting that as fitness. It's just that confidence. Okay, I'll take that. But anyways... Um, why don't we get into some uh, some running news? Mike, let's kick him off. All right, so we got a couple news stories here. And first on the docket, we'll get through this one quick. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it. But we put it out there to the listeners, and we said, hey, guys, there's still controversy with the P2E showdown. We need you to help us decide who the official winner is. Of it is. So we said, you know, in the iTunes reviews, put it out there and, you know, cast your vote in the iTunes reviews. So the tallies are in. We got a whole bunch of votes. And it came down to one review. Oh, one vote won this thing. And the winner of the P2E Championship Challenge is. Steve Gender, can you believe it? After Steve, all of that, I love you guys. Thank you for voting. That's I mean, what I'm talking about. Woo-hoo! So now I think we're gonna have to start the investigation that it's possible that Steve might have been uh, stuffing the ballot box. Um, but hey, you know what? Those it is what it is. These are in. It doesn't matter who wrote them. Let's and and that's kind of how I feel. I was ready to start an investigation saying that Steve had some kind of influence on this. But as long as we're getting more reviews. I don't really care. So, Trent, do you have anything to say to yourself? Well, I think the people responded to my comparison to Willie McGinnis, Paul Pierce, you know, the, the, the wily, savvy veteran out there just grinding, doing everything he could to edge out a few more miles. I mean, I mean, what, what, what else can I say? You guys are awesome. I'm proud of my effort out there. I've got no regrets with, with how it went down. I will be a humble loser in defeat. I mean, as Mike said, even if you voted for Team Steve like an idiot, (laughs) you left us a review, and I appreciate you getting out there and leaving us a review. Um, Steve, you know, I I, I don't know if I support what you did, but I I do tip my hat to you. You you managed to, to... 
not only get out there to do those miles that night, you got the people to to come around and support you. So um, thank you to all the, the People's Champion supporters. Thank you all Team Trend supporters out there. I, I thank you. I, I believe in us as, a, as an organization, as a team. This wasn't our, our day, um, but I'm sure we'll be back out there soon. And, you know, the story behind the story here is a vote for Team Steve was a vote against Team Mike. And uh, I think that means that I have to take the SATs. <laughs> I think that's what it means. So I'm not happy about that, but I will be a uh, honorable loser and do my do my due diligence. Let's go. Well, I, I think the uh, the the vote of public opinion started swaying as soon as friend of the program, you know, one of our partners in this peak too early game, 27 video came out with an official statement. They were silent for for almost two weeks. You know, Pat Florence said he was thinking about it. He had to he had to give a well thought out opinion on this, and finally he broke his silence, came out in favor of hashtag Team Steve, and that completely swayed it. And it was you know I was the 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 support for Team Steve was coming out of all different places I wasn't expecting after that that official statement from 27 video. That one that one really hurts because you know our, our big sponsor there I felt like he was really on my side there. You know he was showing me support, he was showing me love throughout the week. Um, he believed in me. He believed in my story. He believed in my training program and my my plan to to take those first two easy. So to see him kind of switch sides like that, you know, it's it's questionable. That's all I can say. All right. So that is in the books, but we have more challenges to come. So I'm sure the controversy is far from over, and I'm sure it will get brought up many times. But our actual, really only piece of news this week um, is that the Diamond League will be starting up, allegedly, on June 11th with their Impossible Games. And so the Impossible Games are going to be kind of, I would say, unconventional this year. Um, So they're still in the works with exactly what all the events will be. But the confirmed events right now include... Uh, a long-distance pole vault showdown involving world record holder Mondo Duplantis. Um, there will be a 300-meter hurdles world record attempt by Karsten Warholm. Uh, Norway versus Finland duel in the women's 200-meter hurdles. An all-Scandinavian discus competition uh, involving Swedish world champion Daniel Stahl. A Norwegian world record attempt over the 1,000 meters by Philip Inga Britson. And then kind of the biggest news story of this is that there's going to be um, a showdown over a, uh, let's see, I believe it's a 2K, right? Sorry, 2K, yeah. Yes, yeah, so over a 2K where uh, the Inga Britson brothers are going to um, face off against uh chariot and his team in a 2k race the only problem with it is it's going to be a virtual race they're not going to be getting on the track together um which would have been an incredible marketing piece so it'll be interesting to see how that works out i'm not sure how all the logistics are going to go there but apparently they're hyping this big in inga britson versus uh team chariot so what do you guys think we have a track event coming up in just a couple weeks how are we feeling about it? Can I just first say, Mike, I mean, you had a lot of names there that that 
from all sorts of different languages, from all corners of the globe, <laughs> that I thought you rattled off maybe a little too well, and it might hurt our brand as a podcast that messes up last names consistently. Uh, so I'm not sure how I feel about that. Having said that, this is awesome. And I don't know how all these events are going to go. I don't know how Team Britson versus Team Chariot and, and two different corners of the world with a big screen somewhere in the middle are going to have this 2K challenge, which I think I was reading. You got to start with five people on your team and three have to finish. And it's a top three, you know, combined times or something like that. But uh, it's awesome. I mean, I just appreciate the creativity that's going into this, whatever you can do to make live track work. I love how you're taking. I mean, we've said this on the pot. Take this time to do something different. Take the time to do something creative. They're putting in all sorts of weird distances in there. They're doing these weird, you know, team events. Someone's going after. I read the 300 meter uh, hurdles world record, which is kind of a rare event, um, supposedly. But they're gonna try and get a, a fast time in there. The pole vault, the virtual pole vault, long distance. I saw something. They already did some pole vault challenge maybe a month ago or something, where these guys literally are getting pole vault setups in their backyard. And they're going up and they're doing, you know, pole vault at the, at the required height. And everybody goes the same height and goes for it. So I just really appreciate the creativity. I really appreciate stepping out, doing something different. And I think we all just have a, a enough thirst for live sports right now that even if there's some kinks in, in how this all goes because of the weirdness of some of this stuff, especially the virtual stuff, people are going to love it. People are going to eat it up, including us. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about it last podcast where it's like there's a void of sports right now. And some of the smaller sports, you know, the less, you know, the, the sports that don't have quite the fan base, some of the larger sports should step up and get creative. And, Mike, we, we said it last week. It's just like track and field has never been has never proven to be able to do that, never been able to capitalize on the moment. And they're trying. They're making an attempt to capitalize on this moment, have some fun with the sport. Do something different. I mean, the, one of the great things about our sport is a 400-meter track is a 400-meter track. It's the same distance everywhere in the world. So yeah, let's let's do something virtually. Let's you know let's get a couple people going at the same time on different tracks. I think this is great. I'm excited. Um, you know, I I think I like the fact that they're that they're trying to mix it up. They're trying to. I, I love the I love the fact that they're doing the Inger Britsons versus the Chariot Team Chariot. I think that's that's great. Um, I'm all about it. You know, keep doing it. I'm. I think the challenge is is if they have a little success with this, how do they run it back and do something in a couple weeks or a following month? Like, how can they keep coming up with an ideas and trying to top themselves? Because you know, I, I think that this is this is an opportunity for the sport. I think we could gain some real traction. I mean, I was glued to to uh, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady versus Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning. I was treating that like I was watching that like it was the Super Bowl because for the, I just had some sort of sports on my TV. And I think that people are going to treat this uh, this Diamond League like it. So I'm excited. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was going to say, right, is the, the match this weekend with Tiger Woods and Phil and Brady and Manning was awesome, super unconventional, and they, they made it work. And the interesting thing is the first one that they did, the golf match, kind of flopped and people weren't crazy about it yep. and they learned from it. So I think that's going to be the big takeaway is there are going to be events and things that happen in this Diamond League race that flop and don't work. But we've always said like this sport needs to take risks and the whole like Inga Britson versus Team Chariot, like those are huge names, huge personalities of the sport. Like Chariot is an up and coming superstar. He's, you know, the you know, maybe the best guy on the track right now. So it's 
Being and the Britsons are the Kardashians of ig- what, ig- Norway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's exactly the right thing to be doing. Now, I'm a little bit afraid the virtual thing might not work out, but that's okay. Like, let's take a risk with this, see what we can do, see what works and see what doesn't work and move forward with that. That is the most important part of this. But I love to see track making a stab at this. And I'm glad to hear we're all on board. It's like competition is competition. And them taking a risk and trying to make something happen is the most important thing. So we're going to have track. And it's going to give us something to talk about. And I'm excited. So either way, this is this is good for the sport and something that we need to do. Now, the real test should be, are we going to hype it the way that we should? Are we going to try and get attention and say, hey, look at us. Sports are on television Let's make a deal of it and try and get people from outside the sport. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but I guess that's on people like us to try and push this. So hopefully, you know, we can try and market it and at least get our listeners to try and give it a give it a watch. The number one thing to to push it forward and build some hype is if Vegas throws some odds out there. Well, then 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 it becomes a real deal. I mean, then people care. There, there is absolutely no reason for there not to be odds on this. I mean, people are dying to bet on on any sport whatsoever. And and if you have to bet, I mean, we can all relate to the fact that we've probably laid some bets on some random sports that we had know nothing about or, or at least leagues that we haven't followed. So I'm sure people will. But they are behind the eight ball. I don't know, boys. I was Googling the impossible games or the impossible game or something earlier today to try and read about it. Like the first three results are some computer game from 2010 or whatever. It's it's yeah. you can't even find information on this unless you you know have your your quote double quotation marks and and figure out how to use Google Advanced Search or whatever. So we first have to get the impossible games above the you know addictinggames.com impossible game. <laughs> hey, I'll remember those? Those are great. Addictinggames.com. Spent way too much of my life on that thing. <laughs> Bubble trouble. I was a champion at that. Backyard baseball too, I uh, you know just crushing homers. Dude, uh, friggin' what was it pa- Pedro Sanchez? Oh, Pablo yeah. Sanchez. Pablo that's that. Sanchez. Oh. I mean, completely different game, but that's okay. That's backyard baseball. Oh, what did you say? What did, what did I say? Did I say backyard baseball? I didn't you mean backyard, backyard baseball. baseball. There's a there's another game on there. It was like home run derby or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. But you're right. Backyard Rob- baseball is Pablo Sanchez. Robot unicorn attack. I don't know if that was on Tiffin Games. That was uh, maybe the greatest computer game of all time. Yeah, maybe. You just got down a crazy rabbit hole. All right. But so, Backyard Baseball was sweet. Amazing game. Yeah. So I, I should try to dig that up. I mean, that would be fun to play right now. I feel like everyone's going back to those games, but I haven't you know heard much I, about that. I think that would be one of those things where video games are so good right now, you'd start playing it and you'd be very disappointed. I don't know. How I mean, many? I don't know if you, People want to hear this, but like, do you know how many players you could rattle off from that game right now? Because I feel like I could get like a dozen. I was just about to see if we could work All as right. a team here and see how many guys we can get. So obviously Pablo Sanchez. We got Kenny Kawaguchi. Ken- I was just going to say guy. Kenny Kawaguchi. He was the guy in the wheelchair. We had um, Pete Wheeler. Pete Wheeler. Pete I was Wheeler. Just gonna- oh, dude. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, we had Alicia, the big girl in the and like the She was purple. a great pitcher. Oh, God. And she had bombs. Oh, first man. first name counts. I'm giving us credit for we'll first name. Alicia. Okay, that's four. Who's the guy oh. with the headphones? Ahmad. Big big headphones. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. God, man, I thought we were gonna do better than this. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I can like see their faces, but I I only know like two of them. 
And then, like, the later games, you had all the pros. That wasn't as much fun. I liked no. it when it was just, like, they built a personality around the characters. Yeah. All right. So our last news story here is not a news story. What I wanted to do is introduce a little segment here. And how this is going to go is Steve and Trent have no idea where these headlines come from. I'm a little nervous, if we're being honest. Yeah. So what I did was I went on to by far the most popular track and field and distance running news site. You know, we don't need to name any names here, but, you know, it <laughs> rhymes with MoTrack. And, uh, you know, it's where everyone gets their news. For the most part, they have a monopoly on the sport and sometimes do a good job, sometimes don't. But some of these are flow track headlines, and some of them are headlines that I made up. And I need you guys to determine which one they are. Oh, so, I love this so much. This is such a good idea. <laughs> the first headline is health benefits of running. Is that a flow track headline or is that one I made up? I mean, that seems pretty pretty straight and narrow. I'll go flow track on that one. Okay. I think you made it up. Nope, that is a flow track headline. And again, <laughs> let me let me um emphasize that this is all in the news section of Flowtrack. So this is like Jake. things that are like popular news stories that are happening. I mean, that just <laughs> Yeah. So So we figured next... out running's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, running breaking news story, running is good for you. All right, the next one is what to eat before running. Is that a Flowtrack headline or did I make that up? I mean I can't imagine that that's on flow track. I'm going to say that's made up. Track. All right, I'll, I'll take the flow track side. I think uh, based on our last one, that could be a hot news story. We figured out what to eat before running. Yep, that's a hot news story <laughs> on flow track. <laughs> All right, the next one. How to prevent and remove a tick. I mean, there's no way this is on flow track. I'm team flow track. We figured it out. <laughs> That is a flow track. <laughs> what the hell is going on? I mean, I know there's not a whole lot of running, guys. But, whew. all right, the next one is virtual 5K disputed due to the use of alpha flies. Flow track headline okay. or headline I made up? That That is that is right down flow track's alley. I'm going, that's a flow track headline. Made up, made up. I made that one up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just how well I know them. All right, this one. How to run long distances. <laughs> that's got to be a real one. That has to be a real one. I mean... No, I'm, I, no way. No way. That, that is a news story on flowtrack.com. All right, we got two more. We got two more. All right, let's see. I got to make sure I got the right ones. I mean, I'm getting. Uh, I think I've gotten every single one wrong so far. So I, I think I've quickly adjusted to what I. If you, if each of these questions was the first question, I might have gotten, you know, maybe one out of five or two out of five. But I'm figuring out a trend here, and it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> Runners experiencing increased dehydration during quarantine. Real flow track headline or real Mike Gendron headline? I mean I think, that. See, that seems like something interesting that I would want to click on and find out why runners are dehydrated during quarantine. So I'm going to say, going with the trend, 
That is not a flow track headline. Yeah, I'm gonna go not a flow track headline. It's too it's too interesting. I made that up. All right, and our last one. Pre-run and post-run stretching. Is this a flow track headline or a headline that I made up? It's got to be a flow track one. That's uh, that sounds like some breaking news right there. I mean, I don't want it to be. Please, no. No flow track. Not a flow track. That is a flow track headline. And I guess the point of this segment, guys, is to show that in a time when sports is not around, this is what we turn to to talk to for sports news, I guess, as a running community. And uh, just just trying to highlight here, like, what the hell are we doing, guys? What are we doing? Well, Mike, at least, like, it's it's free and people don't need to pay to that's right those articles right. You, don't, you, you don't need to pay to find out how to run long distances <laughs> <laughs> like what is this i mean this is that i mean those types of articles are the articles that people made fun of like runner's world for and that's yes. what ultimately killed runner's world so flow track is just turning into runner's world i i mean i guess i mean i know there's not a lot to, of news but like we're trying to push the sport forward and have fun like we want to make the sport fun. None of those headlines are something fun to read. People who, I mean, if you're following FlowTrack, you're not following FlowTrack because you're a beginner and you're trying to get into the sport. You're following FlowTrack because you probably run, you probably ran in high school and college, and you want to follow the sport and you want some interesting media around the sport. You're not, you're not, you're not paying to for FlowTrack to learn how to run long distances. Interesting media is, is the point there, too. Now is a time where you can get super freaking interesting, right? Of you can course. get super weird and super interesting and not just do, you know, the cookie-cutter article. They can be, like you said, posting in Runner's World every, I'm sure, every nine months they have, you know, the same article with a different headline that's talking about how to stretch, right? And and, and the running, what was it, how to run long distances, how to <laughs> run. I mean, get weird with it. We're seeing all different sorts of sports media. I mean, hopefully – we could include ourselves in this, but we're seeing people recap like some of the greatest events, you know, ever right out there going to these deep documentaries about people that you might not necessarily have the time to explore, um, getting into athletes heads during the weirdest time of their lives. Right. You know, we don't have the regular news to talk about, but quarantine does create an, a kind of bizarre opportunity to, to step outside the, the the creative box that they're stuck in over there and try something new besides how to run long distances. Good game, See, Mike. That's, that's all I got for the running news. Well, hey, Trent, congratulations. You uh, you finally won a challenge. Yeah, that's my consolation prize right there. <laughs> but I, I got to say, I think I went seven for seven or whatever. So I, an extra beer for me tonight. <laughs> all right, let's get into our interview with a member of the Tin Man Elite Track Club. He's an Adidas-sponsored athlete, Reed Fisher. Let's talk to him. Let's kick it off. I want to I want to start off by asking you about now the infamous picture of you at the trials, just kind of running, looking like you're, you're straight out of a Rocky movie, gas over your eye, blood pouring down your down your face. You got to tell us what happened. So what's the story behind that? Not too often do you see people in a marathon looking like you look out there. No, yeah, it's funny. Um, you know that field was so big that like 
nobody really knew what happened except for like myself <laughs> and the other people involved with the falls. But yeah, so many people like after the race were trying to figure out what had happened. Like I pulled up Twitter finally when I got back to my phone and I can't remember if it was David Monty or, or Jeff Dengate, one of the runners world guys had tweeted that picture and been like, anybody know why Reed Fisher came out looking like a prize fighter in the trials? Today? <laughs> um, so yes, I fell around mile four and a half. I want to say, um, there was, we were just running the pack and some ankles got clipped up a couple guys in front of me. And then it was kind of a domino effect back to me. Um, and Heron Lagat was the guy I was unfortunate enough to be running directly behind. And he's like, six six and all legs so when he went down i tried to hurdle over him but he's six six and all legs so i did not clear him <laughs> and that was the fall that i cracked my head open like i basically landed head first onto peach tree um so that was it was a comfortable comfortable landing uh, <laughs> but then yeah the the real the real kicker was i got up and reconnected to the lead pack and i was still super flustered and like you know that was my marathon debut so you fall five miles into a half marathon, you're probably not coming back. You fall five miles into a marathon, there's still a whole lot of real estate to make things up in. And so I was still just a little bit panicky and I was like, oh man, that might've been my race and that fall right there. Um, and then just fell immediately because I was so just panicky and, and freaking out about everything still. So I like caught a whip when the surface of the road changed oh, like a half an inch and my shoe just clipped it and I went straight down. And that time I like slid a good two feet just right on my right hip and just gashed it open. So that was more what ended up being the, uh, the dagger to my race. I think my right leg was just ruined from that fall. I still have like a scar on my right ankle bone and hip, but yeah, went, went down on the head first, which was definitely what made people be like, Holy hell, that guy's really messed up. But more than anything, it was, it was just my right leg just wasn't wasn't working and it's hard to run 26 miles period let alone when you're doing it mostly on one leg so Jeez, yeah. yeah you know yeah, you, so you deal say, with the hands you're dealt so we so at, we were at the trials and that mm -hmm. first time that we saw the runners come by it was one of the most it was one of the coolest most impressive things i've ever seen in the sport because there's just this pack and it was an energy like i've never felt in the sport mm -hmm. there's this massive pack of olympic trial qualifiers moving at a fast pace and very rarely in the sport do you get just a pack of of that size moving at that pace it was wild so i can see how like you know it's like it's like a if you watch a big cycling race if somebody goes down there's just gonna mm -hmm. be a domino effect yeah man and that's what it felt like for sure like i'm a huge fan of the tour and i watch it every summer um so that like is always my gold standard of racing. Like I love the domestiques and the crosswinds and just how much tactics goes involved, like with cycling. So for me, like that was probably the closest race I'll ever feel to a cycling race. And yeah, man, like that energy was unreal. Like I remember looking over like a mile in and like I was running next to Jim Walmsley and Jim and I know each other just from a handful of, of small run-ins at races and things. And I, had probably been running next to him for like a full mile and hadn't even realized it was him just because it was pure chaos and pure noise. So it was insane and it was super palpable. But yeah, I mean, when you get into a scenario like that where everyone wants to make that team and everyone's fighting to be at the front and make sure they don't miss any moves, like somebody's going down and, and I was the, the unlucky one who probably, you know, there are plenty of other people who fell too, but it wasn't fun for any of us that much, I can promise you. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, dude, like the uh, the idea of a miserable first marathon is a pretty relatable thing, right? I think I'll, myself <laughs> sure. and a lot of us have had, you know, our first marathon experience be brutal. But on the stage of the Olympic trials, smashing your face open, like hurting your leg, falling twice, and then still having to, you know, compete at the high level for a full marathon – that's got to be pretty like scarring. Are, are, you, uh, are you are you over the marathon, or are you gonna give it another another try in the future? Oh man, I'm 24. I can't be over the marathon yet. I'm <laughs> I too mean, young, you can, unfortunately. Man. The marathon sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um. I will say uh, I have a much greater appreciation for the half marathon now that I've ran the full, <laughs> and I've I've been largely successful in my half marathon running endeavors than yeah i'm over one on on the marathon <laughs> so i i'm sure i will run plenty of marathons left in my career and i'm sure many of them will go much better than that because i hope that it can't get much worse than that but yeah i i definitely like after the race was you know like that race comes once every four years and that that race had been circled on my calendar since really I started running at a high level. And so to pour all of that emotional and physical energy into it for the better part of like three or four years. And then to have it end like that, like you just have this like huge sense of like loss and like, you feel like somebody died, you know, like you feel like this thing that you've been, this loved one that you've had in your life for three years is all of a sudden just gone. And I'm sure everybody felt that to a certain extent, like even the guys who made the team, you know, you're just so hyper-focused on this one thing and then it comes and it goes and you have to just readjust the life after it. But so it took some time to kind of like come to grips with everything, but with everything being canceled, like it was definitely a weight off my shoulders that I could just like chill for a while and not feel like, Oh shit, I got to like go right back into racing and try and find that same fire that I had going into the race, but then didn't really get to use in the race. So super weird, but I'm sure the marathon fire will be rekindled at some point in the next 12 months. If racing is happening again, like I think building up for a marathon is some of the most fun I've had in my training. Like it just feels like you're training for a different sport. And when you've been doing the sport for a decade, sometimes feeling like you're doing a different sport is, is a welcome change. So <laughs> I'll get the itch again, I'm sure. But yeah, for the time being a 10 K and a half marathon sounds, sounds pretty welcoming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk more about the fact of, of lining up at the Olympic trials as your, your first marathon ever, right? Your premier marathon. Because ahead of the trials, people like us, we're, we're trying to have fun. We're trying to gamble on uh, who we think is going to do well, who's going to struggle. And the people that have never run the marathon before, the people that qualify on the halves are kind of a, a wild card to me, right? You're For crazy sure. enough to run your first of the trials. Does that mean you don't know what you're yourself into? Or does that mean you're you're crazy enough to run that well because you just, you're not thinking about it going well. Like am I making too big of a deal that it's the first marathon or is it just to a pro like yourself? You know, you just, you just show up on the line and, and race the distance in front of you. Mm-hmm. I think a bit of both. I mean, I had the luxury and misfortune at the same time of, you know, I did like 75% of my buildup for the Chicago marathon last fall and then came down with an injury. So I wasn't able to run it. So I knew my, I mean, I, I guess I didn't know my body could handle the training, but I knew my body could handle 75% of the training. And, and if I was a little smarter, this go around a hundred percent. So I knew what I was going to feel like doing some of those big sessions. And, you know, I think you like to think that some of those big sessions are going to 
physically and emotionally and mentally prepare you for what it's actually like at mile 22, but I can confirm that it does not. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I think, and this is like a thing people say all the time, like you got to have some screws loose if you're going to be a marathoner in any capacity, whether that means you're just going out there to finish or you're trying to BQ or you're at the Olympic trials. Like it takes a certain mindset to willingly run 26.2 miles. And so, you know, I think certainly for me, I thought my best chance to qualify for an Olympic team would have been in the marathon. Like I don't have the wheels necessarily to close out a 5k or 10k in a tactical race and finish top three, especially against, you know, world caliber runners that are on the track right now for the U S. So for me, you know, I played my strengths. It felt like the timing was right. I'd been crushing halves for like a year at that point. And, you know, I was planning to debut ahead of the trials and, you know, it just didn't pan out. So, It'd be interesting to talk to to someone like Stanley Kibene, who truly had had only ran a couple of halves and and really didn't know what he was getting himself into. But for me, I thought I had a pretty good handle on on what to expect out of the race, and you know whether I did or not, that was a huge thing for my peace of mind heading into the weekend. And yeah, I don't know. I think to a certain extent, like you said, you kind of want to have this attitude of like, oh, it's just another race. But at the same time, it's like, well, this is twice as far as I've ever raced in my life and further than I've ever gone in one single run. And I'm trying to run it as hard as I can finish top three and run a very quick time. So it's definitely a tall ask, but you know, being an elite runner, like you just have to put yourself at least in a position to, to reach your goals. And so for me, it it didn't behoove me to like have doubts going into it. And, you know, I could have hit mile 23 in first place and, and crashed and burned and finished in 250th. And, you know, I would have said, all right, I gave it my all and I could have finished in first and won the damn thing. And my first go around and said, yeah, I gave it my all or, or I could have had exactly what happened and, and still said that I gave it my all. So that's what I think school about the marathon. It just demands that out of you. And so I think whether it's your first one or your 50th, you just have to have this expectation and, and reality check that you're going to have to dig very deep to get it done. Yeah, you have no chance to be an Olympic marathon for any event because 5K and 10K, you don't have the wheels. Steeplechase, I think we can count you out on that based on your yeah, probably. You know, <laughs> hurdling the guy in front of you. So. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> has, it, has it set in at all that you were part of, to date, the most significant event in the sport and maybe the most significant event in the sport for the entire year uh yes and no i mean yes because yeah that truly was like the last big thing that's been able to happen um but but no because it was so tainted that i feel like i almost wasn't even a part of it uh you know like it i go back and I, i look at the results and i like look at all the names ahead of me and all the names that i would have liked to put myself in contention with and i'm like damn like if I could have just stayed on my feet, who knows? You know, I, I like to think I at least could have been top 10, top 15. And, and when you're in that sort of position, you've got a shot, you know, like you're in that pack when the moves are being made to make the team. And, and if I have the legs, I have the legs. And if I don't, I don't. But to to be two minutes behind those guys at, at the half marathon point was not at all the way I'd envisioned it. So I think it's it's settled in that it happened. I don't know if it's settled in that I was actually a part of it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so now that the, uh, you know, the situation of the world is kind of panned out where now you have an, 
an, an opening, right? You, you can kind of transition if you wanted to to make an Olympic run elsewhere. Is that something that you're considering and, and you know, kind of pushing towards now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I don't want to say I feel like better that everything's been canceled because obviously it's a huge monkey wrench, but time is great for someone like me who just ran a marathon and was trying to potentially make a turnaround and get on the track for the trials. Now, instead of having three months, I have 15, you know, and that's a lot of time where I can really now reassess like, okay, well, if I train, like I need to close in four flat at a 10 K, like, is that something that's actually going to be attainable for me? Or is that just not in my physiology? And now I have the time to explore that and see if it is going to be a reality for me. Um, so yeah, I think it's nice. Like I was, I had qualified for the world half marathon championships and those were going to be March 29th. So that was going to be like a month after the trials. So I was kind of planning to just somehow keep going after my marathon debut and just show up in Poland and, <laughs> compete against uh, some world-class guys and, and probably get my doors blown off because I just raced a marathon a month ago, but now it's been rescheduled to October 17th. So like I can truly, you know, have a, a good build up for it and then try and hit that race really hard. And, you know, Dathan ran 60 at world half back in his prime. And that's a mark that I would like to think I could be competitive with on the right day. And that course looks fast. It's going to be great competition. So I hope I can run that. And then, really turn my attention to the track come spring. And, you know, hopefully by that point I've discovered that, yeah, like I have the wheels to maybe be competitive for a top three finish at the trials. And I, you know, I've spent six months retooling my body and my strengths to be ready for that. Whereas, you know, like I said, like if the trials were happening in a month from now, I would probably, and I'd ran truly all out in that marathon. I would probably just be getting back to a point where I didn't feel like a 60 year old man hobbling out the door every day. So it's, it's some breathing room for sure. And it's some time to kind of reevaluate priorities and, and things for everybody. And yeah, I'm just trying to like most people just like make the most out of it and just set myself up for success after everything goes back to normal ish as best I can. <laughs> So during this this time now with everything pushed off, you know, maybe maybe that half championship in October sounds like it could be the next big thing on your calendar. Um, are you at a point where you're able to fully enjoy kind of the break from competition and embrace kind of the the maybe a different side of running? Or are you just itching to get out and, and test yourself in any way and to compete with people? Probably more the former than the latter, if we're being perfectly honest. Um, yeah, like we've been doing some low-key time trials and things with the team, and like I'll lace up some flats and I'll go run hard, but like I'm not like going deep into this well because I feel like I need to just like crush myself to get my competitive edge out. Like like I mentioned earlier, just me actually being able to run the trials on like so many of the track athletes, like I feel like I got some of that like release of being like okay that was my big thing and now it's just over and like i can just hang out for a little bit until i really go full gas for my next thing whereas a lot of the track athletes who you see like toe in the line and trying to break four for some of these high school kids like johnny gregoric running his blue jeans mile <laughs> like all these things like i feel much worse for for the track athletes than i do for myself just because 
they were all about to start like really coming into their own. And now it's like, oh, actually pause and reevaluate and put everything on hold for a year. So, you know, I think more than anything for me, it's I can just run what I want to run now. Like I've been just been chilling at like 85 miles a week, which for me is pretty tame. Like when I was building up for the trials, it was like a lot of weeks between 110 and 120. And, and when you're running that much, as, as I'm sure you guys found out, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you're not really enjoying it. You're just going nope. out there because your calendar says to, or, or you're trying to beat your brother in, in some bullshit competition. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so for me, I think it's been nice just to be like 85 miles a week. You know, that means I'm running an easy hour every day, except workout days and long run days. And, and that for me is something I can always get up for and actually enjoy. Like, it feels like I'm just putting my training on cruise control and, and keeping this nice baseline of fitness that when the time comes, I can jump back up to 100 plus and, and be fit in probably under a month. But, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm ready to set the world on fire and break four minutes on a mile <laughs> right now, for sure. <laughs> and I'm totally at peace with that. So Reed, every once in a while in these interviews, we try to take it off the rails and try to take it a little, take it away from running for at least a little <laughs> bit. And we do All some right, research. What do we got? And I, I gotta tell you, man, you made it really easy on me because some of the stuff I found <laughs> online. So I think it was on your uh, your Olympic trials profile. It said your number one accomplishment was overcoming your fear of geese. Please tell me that there is a story behind that. Yeah, man, this story comes up a lot, uh, enough to the point where I, I, I had to, ch- it was on the Tin Man website and I was like, all right, every race interview or podcast ah, I've ever done, they damn, bring it up. I thought but I was going to be No, you're good. You're good. I'll tell you the actual story. Cause everyone else, I just say, yeah, I've been really afraid of geese and, and I hate them like everyone else does, but it makes me unique because I hate them more than other people. And then we move on because there's a set time limit to the podcast. So yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, <laughs> So I, I was born in upstate New York. I was born in Rochester. Um, so if you're familiar, there's the, the Erie Canal in upstate New York. And I live pretty close to it. So a lot of, you know, beautiful summer afternoons of my idyllic childhood were spent walking up and down the Erie Canal, hand in hand with my mother and father, skipping between rows of daisies and then all these beautiful things. But one day I had an ice cream cone on this beautiful walk and I was maybe like four. So, you know, I'm, I'm plus or minus eye level with a fully grown adult male Canadian goose. Uh, <laughs> so we're walking down the canal and I'm stoked that I've got my ice cream and I'm just on top of the world. And, and there's this like goose that has like a deformed wing. And so, you know, he's just pissed off about life in general because he can't he's even fly with his. Yeah, yeah. He can't hang out with his homies or anything. So. I'm sure he just lives on the canal and feeds off of kids like me who are just having the day of their life with their ice cream cones. And I get a little too close to him, I guess. And he like gets back up and and spreads his wings and hisses at me like, like geese do. And I was just like, that seems pretty serious. I better avoid this. But then he makes a mad peck for my ice cream cone, trying to knock it out of my hand so he can eat it. And he got me straight in the face instead of the ice cream cone. (laughs) Oh my and so then I dropped the ice cream cone and just started bawling and sprinted away from this goose. And it started chasing after me down the canal. And so at this point, I'm just very not about life in general, let alone this goose. And I'm just in absolute tears. And my parents are trying to tell me it's going to be OK. And my brothers are just laughing at me in the background, which is making me <laughs> cry even more. So 
you know, I think when, when you get attacked by any sort of animal in, in your formative years, just something about it that sticks with you. So I'm definitely, you know, I think most people tend to give geese like a pretty wide berth when you're on a run or anything, but like most people like skirt to the edge of the sidewalk. I am like 20 feet off the path, like knee deep in a pond to avoid that goose, if that's what it takes. (laughs) But yeah, I'm slowly getting better about it. I can tell you, you've definitely told that story once, twice before, because <laughs> I mean, that was just a beautiful retelling of it. I felt like I was there oh, thank like, you. watching you. I felt like I was, you know, side by side. It was very well done. Um, yeah, man, so, I was a, I was an English major at Drake and we had to write like, I was in a memoir class. And so we had to write like a chapter for like different parts of our life that were like formative moments. And so I wrote like an entire 10 page essay on, on the goose attack. So that was the spark notes version of my college essay. <laughs> Love it. So good transition there. I was going to ask you about, you know, and I'm sure you've been asked about this one as well, but we've, we have actually not talked about it too much on our show. So I'd like to know a little bit more about it, but everyone seems to love the Drake relays, right? It's one of the biggest track races of the year. It seems to be, you know, just a, you know, a a party on the track and just a a great event. What is it like from, you know, an athlete who goes to the school's perspective, more importantly, like a student's perspective, what does the Drake relays look like? Yeah, man, it's funny. It's, it's Drake's homecoming for sure. Like, We've got a football team and, and I love the guys who are on the football team, but the crowds at at the football games don't hold a candle to the crowds at the Drake relays for sure. And the school just gets fired up about like the relays and you know, it's, it's the perfect time of year where the weather starts changing. So like, you know how it is, like everybody in general just gets a little antsy, but especially in college, you can taste the freedom of the summer and you get your first nice weather day and everyone's just outside on the campus and everything. And and that's like right when Drake relays hits too. So it's just this double whammy of like, everyone's finally getting off that cabin fever and, and getting outside again. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh shit. And we get to just rage for three days, except for the athletes because we are actually competing in them. Uh, <laughs> but man, it's, it's cool. And being, you know, when I was there, like there's just something special about like, you know, it's a home game for you. Like you've got home field advantage. The fans are out there for you. They're probably a bunch of your hammered friends who staggered over from the Peggy's tent. And, and now they're watching you run 12 and a half laps, which they don't truly understand what's happening, but they know you're at the front. So that's really exciting. And they're just screaming <laughs> their heads off for you. Um, yeah. Like, it's just fun. Like the warm up that I do before relays every year runs through Greek street on Drake. So like, you'll just run by these frat and sorority houses and people are just out on the lawn, like playing beard eye or beer, beer pong or, or just going nuts. And like they see a skinny dude running in short shorts, wearing a Drake cross country shirt. And they just go ballistic. Like the one year that I won it my senior year, I went out on my warm up, and these two dudes from one of the frat houses, like see me and they both without hesitating, just sprint away from the drinking game that they're playing and just run the entire length of Greek Street with me on my warm up. Like, hell yeah, dude, you're gonna crush this. I don't even know what you're racing, but you got this, man. <laughs> like, you look like Steve Prefontaine, and I was like, well, I don't look like Steve Prefontaine at all. <laughs> so I know that's the only runner name you remember from your high school team talking about it, but I'll take it, and I appreciate it. <laughs> so it's just that, cool, like, man. It. it it drives me nuts because like that that is what our sport could be right like you don't need to be some kind of like track nerd or know all the distances or like know what a good 1500 meter time is 
all you need to do is be able to appreciate like the the sports atmosphere of it the party and just like go out there and have a good time and just like cheer your ass off for the guy in in first and like i don't know that that could be where our sport is like that seems to be one of the few places you know in the country where that actually happens yeah for sure and that's the thing like you think about college like college football and, and basketball games and it's like you know, people care about the game, but most of the people there are, are there for the social aspect. Like I went to one of my college roommates' sisters is a gymnast at OU, and so we went down there for a weekend and, and went to an OU football game. Which, again, coming from a school like Drake, going to to an OU football game is an entirely different reality. Uh, so, you know, and and we're out tailgating before and everything, and then you go to the game and you realize like you maybe only watched a total of like five or 10 snaps, but you, anytime there was a touchdown, you chewed your head off. And, and most of the time you were just shooting the shit with the people next to you. So it's like, that could be tracked for sure. Like there's so many events you can be like, Oh, I, I care about the 800 or the 400 hurdles. So like when that comes up, I'm actually going to watch. But other than that, it's just like, you know, nobody goes and watches baseball because they think baseball is actually a fun sport. People just like to go hang out <laughs> at the ballpark. You know, they want some no, peanuts and they want some Cracker Jacks. Nobody cares to watch nine innings of a baseball game. Like, it's just how it is. And that's how track could be, too. It's just like a great way to spend a whole day outside hanging out with people you enjoy sharing time with. And every once in a while you look up and something cool is happening and, and you cheer for that person. And then you go home and you go about the rest of your life. But yeah, for whatever reason, track has this weird dichotomy of, of people like yourselves who, who see this vision of what track could be. And then you got the kind of older crowd who sees track as what it used to be. And, and there's this weird disconnect between wanting to keep it like a, you know, it's, it's athletics, it's a serious business and then we need to treat it as such. And then people who are you like ourselves who are just like, yeah, track sick, like go watch a race cheer if you want don't cheer if you don't want hang out with your friends eat like crap sneak some beers into the stadium like do whatever you want you know and that's something that i think is is fun and hopefully we'll see things start to go that way in the near future because i think that's a, a huge way to just bring excitement into the sport is to make it fun and and that's a big ask but it's also not that big of an ask we just need to to have fun yeah agreed we need to find a way to recreate and make kind of like a rivalry weekend that weekend where you have the big relays or something or, you know, the Drake relays or the Indian West Coast one that's doing the same thing. Like There can be a few of these throughout the year. Um, and I'm not trying to say Drake is not. I mean, it, it is special that it's able to recreate it, but we should be able to do the same thing on different college campuses, especially college campuses. I mean, come on, like that's. People just, like you said, like to be outside drinking and watching anything. Like there's no, yeah, I don't know, sure. I don't know there's no reason we can't recreate it. And we're we're building our list of uh, races and meets that we want to go to in the next year or the coming years, and the Drake Relays is right at the top because I've never been, and I, I would really like to go one of these years. Yeah, man. Hopefully, you catch it on a, a good weather year, so you're not just sitting in a poncho in 40 degree Des Moines weather all weekend. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. even if, even if that's the case, it's it's still a fun time for sure. Yeah, man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you kind of taking some time away from your family uh, birthday Zoom call to to chat with us. You know, we're we're fans of you, we're fans of Tin Man, um, and we really appreciate you coming on to talk to us. But we end every every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right, uh, down the do home it. stretch, rapid fire questions. 
we uh, have intel that you are a fan of The Office, so your category is <laughs> yes. The Office. Trent is going to hit us with the first question. All right, Reed. Assuming you're on the uh, sales team, whose desk would you want to sit next to if you work there? Uh, maybe I would want Andy's desk when he's between Phyllis and Stanley because then I'm a little bit away from the gym and Dwight pranking, but I'm still surrounded by people who I think are just like, like Stanley has some real zinger of, of some one-liners throughout the seasons. And Phyllis is just like perennially a sweetheart. So you're never going to be bummed that you're sharing a desk clump with her. To anyone that doubted, Reed is obviously a massive office fan. <laughs> so yeah, here's going to, this is going to be a deep one. So I feel like there's a couple competing theories about who the Scranton Strangler is. Do you have any opinions on who the Scranton Strangler is? Uh, I don't, but I love the fact that it could be Toby just because it's Toby <laughs> and that would be like the most Toby thing ever. Like it definitely does not seem like a murder dude for sure, but like just the amount he gets ruined by Michael throughout the entire show, like it would just be fitting if, if that was the way he took out all his aggression from just being relentlessly bullied by his boss was just like, yeah, yeah, I just got to strangle this guy and then, <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then investigate it on my own to throw, you know, a good old fashioned red herring and, and make people think it's not me. Do you love anything like Stanley loves pretzel day? <laughs> um, I love, Let's see how sappy do I want to get. I love <laughs> cheeseburgers, running my girlfriend and my family as much as, as Stanley loves pretzel day, and that's probably about it. Good answer. Very Not poetic. necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's fast forward five years. Let's call it two thousand nah, ten years, two thousand thirty. Our gym and okay. time still together. Um I would assume so. You'd like to think so. They've got like a kid and stuff. <laughs> Nobody likes to see like a, oh, you're going off to high school. Good. We're done parenting you. Now we're just going to get a divorce. But who knows? You know, if, if Jim ended up following his heart and, and just decided that he wanted to be a Philly boy and, and working on his athlete agency stuff, then maybe he felt like Pam was holding him back and he just couldn't say no to that anymore. But I feel pretty confident that they would stay together. They, they made it over all the hurdles they needed to. Absolutely I mean, brutal question. I mean, Jim and Pam is like the definition <laughs> love trend. What are you trying to do with the podcast? There, there, there are some people that think there might have been some you know, funny business going on at the end of the, the show there, but we won't get into details there. All right, well, Steve, Steve, redeem us with the last question here. So, who, let, an easy one. Who's your favorite character and why? Oh, it's got to be Creed. I think Creed yeah. is the most – like, he's the most – highly respected but underrated character at the same time um like anytime Creed just says some shit it just always gets me to laugh just because it's like the most like out of the blue irrelevant to the plot of the show <laughs> like just outlandish stuff but it's like yeah that totally worked so that would be that would be mine and i love the fact that his name is creed bratton in real life like that is just perfect <laughs> um a tie into the Drake relays my senior year this so they bring in like a musical guest to Drake every year for the student body and they were very close to bringing in Creed Bratton to perform for the relays but they went with Will Yachty instead <laughs> oh man so that been awesome. 
Yep, that is a real, in my opinion, a real uh, a, a bad trade. But you know, Agreed. probably probably fit the vibe of of the relays a little better to have Will Boat up on stage mumble I rapping as loud as he could. Yachty fan. Little boat. <laughs> fair enough. Fair I, enough. I think the genius to create it is they use them just enough. It was like every three episode he had a hilarious yep. line. Any more? Yeah, than like that, if he'd been, been if he'd been a main character, you would have just yeah. been like, all right, this dude just needs to go away. He's too yeah. freaking weird. Like that's how I felt about Robert California. He was like funny for like six episodes, and I was like, oh wow, they're really sticking with this dude. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Creed is a He's used sparingly, but when he's used, he's always good for a laugh. Nice man. Well, hey, thanks again for making some time with us tonight. We know you're you're busy. This was it was awesome talking to you. And we're gonna be cheering for you. You know, hopefully we get some races back at the end of this year, but if not this year, um, definitely into 2021. Oh yeah, of course, guys. Yeah, and thanks for thanks for staying up late for me. You guys go get a good night's sleep now. No problem. Take care, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, you too. Interview with Reed Fisher is brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap Boys. Look good, feel good, run good. Guys, gals, if you haven't been to the Bell Lap Track and Field Instagram page yet, I'm not sure what you're doing. I don't know. You know, you tuning in to us every week and you're not heading there. They have awesome stuff. The stuff keeps dropping. It's so sick. They actually just posted a bunch of Tin Man stuff like a week ago. So if you liked Reed Fisher and you know liked what he was doing, go buy some of their gear on on the Instagram right now. And like we said, they're helping grow the sport. Everything that they're making there, they're sending back to their athletes. They're helping grow the sport, grow athletes, and you know give people a chance to make it big in this sport. So I, you know, I don't know what else to say, guys. Yep, go follow Bell Lab Track and Field Gear. All right, so we are going to transition into our new segment. We're going to call this our personal podium. And so yeah, this is a ripoff of Part of My Takes Mount Rushmore. We're not going to hide that. But if you listen to Part of My Take. They started doing these Mount Rushmores of random things in sports is kind of a joke, and they found out that people love them. So they kept doing them as kind of a joke but kind of serious. So what we're going to do is we're going to say our top three. We're going to do a little snake draft here. We're going to say our top three races that we've run. And if somebody says a race, it somebody else can't say it. So once a race is off the board, it's off the board for good, and we're going to do we're going to do a snake draft. So how are we going to start this off? Who's going to go first? This is important. We got we got to make this very fair because I, right. I think there's going to be some hot some hot picks that are going to go that we, are going to go first. We should go in reverse order of the P2E challenge. That's what I was just going to say. You know what? <laughs> you know because yeah, I can't win them all. I can't win all the challenges. I can't win everything. So Mike, why don't you lead us off, Trent? You can go second. <laughs> I'll go third. But hey, man, snake draft on the back end. I get two in a row. So remember that. You do. You do. Um, okay, so there's just a million different directions I can go with this. To narrow down all the races I've done to three races, I mean, how could I possibly do that? Man, I could really screw over Steve if I wanted to. <laughs> I, you can do I mean, I, I got a million races, Mike. Go ahead, pick if you think. I know, I know, but that would be... I'm not going to do it just because the listeners wouldn't fully grasp how much I, you know, screwed you over with this one. So I'm not going to take it. Instead, I'm going to take 
the Boston Marathon. I mean, come on, the greatest race in the history of the world, the my favorite one I've ever run, and that should be the first one off the board. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I think you had a you can't argue with that. I mean, Boston Marathon. It's if if that didn't go first off the board, I think that that you know that would be it's, it's a crime. It's a crime. Go ahead. Yeah, not, not impressed with your pick, Mike, but you know you didn't screw it up. There was an obvious first pick, and and you did it. So I mean, I was definitely rooting for you to try and screw Steve over. I mean, one, it's just you know fun to see uh you guys screw each other over on stuff, but also it would have set me up for a great pick on two. So I am gonna go with something. I don't know, maybe a little bit different, but I'm going to gonna keep it home. It's cross-country first. We're a cross-country podcast here, and I'm going to take it back to a college race we had. And it's a, a unique event. It's it's the D2 Festival National Championship. Oh, so for those man. of you unfamiliar, Division Two, and I think, I don't know if D3 does it too, but they have all of the fall sports championships in one city at one weekend. And so when I did it in 2014 in Louisville, Mike was there as well. You had like women's soccer, men's soccer, field hockey, and obviously both cross country, all having their championship in like a two day span. Um, and so you, you run your race, you watch a few of your schools, other teams there, you get to watch them. And there's this massive party, you know, that night with all the athletes for different sports blast. So I'm going with the D2 national championship cross country festival. Very good. Very good. Great pick. Great pick. I've raced that course before down down in Louisville, but uh, you know, unfortunately, I never made it to the to the national championship festival. But that's a that's a talk for another day. Um, so I'm gonna go, and you know, people might give me you might, you guys might give me a hard time about this one because it's kind of two, but not really. I'm gonna go with one if you if you if you need to take the other one, you can. But I want to talk a little bit about the Marine Corps Marathon. I think the Marine Corps Marathon, ah. People's Marathon, it's the best. I, I think other than Boston, I think it is the most well-run, the best marathon in the world. But that's not the race I'm taking. What I'm taking Ooh. is I am taking the Marine Corps 10K, and I'll tell you why. Okay, so the Marine Corps 10K and the Marine Corps Marathon go off at the exact same time. The 10K is the last 10K of the marathon course. So it starts on the Washington Mall. You start right in front of one of the Smithsonian's heading towards the Capitol. So you start, it's it's on the mall, it's a great place to start, and you do the last 10K of the marathon, and you finish at the marathon finish. So they have all the stands, the stands are packed, you get the same marathon, you get the same finish that the marathoners get, you have an announcer calling your names. It's all the great things about a big city marathon, but down, boiled down into a 10K. And Washington, D.C. is one of my favorite places to visit. So I highly recommend this race. It's one of the it's one of the best races that people just don't know about is this 10K the same day as Marine Corps Marathon. And I actually I actually won it one year. Not a big deal. But it was like the closest I will the closest I will ever feel to being a professional runner, the closest I will ever feel to winning a big city marathon because the gun goes off and you're leading. And it, it was like a, it was a decent field. Like I had a pack of people running with me for, for four, almost five miles. And, you know, you come up that hill into Arlington Cemetery. The, the stands are just packed with people. The announcers announcing your name. You come across the finish line. They usher you off into like a media tent. And I'm talking to the newspaper. I mean, and the Marines are out there. It's just 
it's just one of the best races you could ever do. If you never get a chance to run the Marine Corps Marathon, at least do the Marine Corps 10K. Number one on my list, just an awesome event. For sure. I, I've never done the 10K, but the marathon uh, was on my short list. I'm not going to take it now because that would be weird to double down on that. But and you know amazing, what, you know what the, amazing race. One more thing. The best thing about running the 10K is you don't have to run a freaking well, marathon. Yeah. So, <laughs> because marathons are the worst. You get another pick, Steve. Oh, snake trap. Ooh, I almost forgot. All right. So I am going to go. All right. Oh, this one's easy. This one's easy. I think if it wasn't for the Marine Corps 10K, this one would be at the top of my list. The Falmouth. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just scenic course the entire way. Massive field, elite field, awesome after party. I mean, one of the most historic, just all around great races in the world. If you haven't done Falmouth, you got to do it some point in your life. Number two off the board, Falmouth Road Race. Steve, I got to be honest with you. I am shocked that a certain race, I mean, the race that I was going to steal from you didn't make your top two. Um, I hope your wife doesn't listen to this episode. Yeah, well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was hoping that would be a sleeper, Mike. I mean, come on. Yeah, well. For for the listeners out there, I have no idea what they're talking about either. So I, I'm in your boat right now, totally confused at what they're talking about. All right, so for my second second pick here, I'm going to go with uh, one that we, we've all run before. This is the first P2V, you know, traveling event, and that's the Fifth Avenue Mile. Um, Ooh, epic it. race down Fifth Avenue. I mean, if there's any, like... There's not many more, I don't know, famous streets like that where you just say shut the – I guess they do this for all big races. But there's something special about running down the middle of Fifth Avenue that you know is you know, one of the busiest streets probably in the entire country. The idea of you get to run first and then you get to watch the elites run. The fact that, you know, Steve, you're just bragging 10K is not a marathon. A mile is not a 10K. I mean, it's great. You're out there for just a few minutes and then you get to relax and watch the pros go. Um, just a, Just an awesome environment awesome awesome race location the the fast guys all come out there uh so yeah fifth avenue miles my second pick i mean you can't argue with that one and and you know i think what goes into a great race is the ability to have a good time afterwards and let me tell you guys we had a good time in new york city after the fifth avenue mile so i mean i can't argue with that. it's a great pick <laughs> and before probably too much before but yeah <laughs> all righty um for my second pick I am going to bring us back to cross-country, and I am going to go with the Paul Short Invitational. This is at Lehigh Lehigh College or Lehigh University in Pennsylvania, and this is like a randomly huge race. There is tons of teams there. Like, they have a ton of different divisions. You have super, you know, high-level teams you have a lot lower a ton of people there but what i love most about this is is the most like classic cross-country course ever you're just like you're running through cornfields it's uh, for some reason always muddy and just like between the cornfields and wide open fields it just every inch of it just feels like cross-country love paul short 
It's yeah. short. It's a short course. Yeah, so yeah. If your, if your I PR, can see, PR I can see from Paul Short doesn't count. It doesn't count if your PR is from Paul Short. It doesn't count. All... Just like if your PR is a BU, it doesn't count, right, Steve? Oh, you want to talk PRs? <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. All PRs count. I don't care how short the course is, but if it's listed at a certain length, that shit counts. Alrighty. No, no, no. Snake oh, draft. Sorry, I go to go two in a row. <laughs> All right, man, the third pick, I'm, like, so torn because I could go to very, very different directions here. Oh, man, what do I want to do? All right, my third pick on the podium of personal races of all time, I am going to go with the Mike Gendron Bachelor Party Beer Mile <laughs> cross-country race. We've talked about it before. We ran a beer mile one of the mornings of my bachelor party, and it was just a cross-country race. I mean, we were going uphill, downhill, through the woods. You had to like almost like run into a massive boulder, throwing elbows. People were hungover. It was a wild time. One of my favorite and most memorable races of all time. It's making the damn list. There it is. Love it. Love that was, that was on my short list, Mike. Was it? Ah, yeah, it. yeah. Good pick, good pick. All right, so I got my my cross country, my D2 Festival Championship. I got my Fifth Avenue Big Elite Road Mile, and, and kind of like Mike, I really don't know where to go here, right? There's the one option of just going with what I think was, you know, the best race. There's the other of trying to round out my my podium here to have a nice balance. Um, and so I think I'm just gonna, I guess, the best of both worlds here. I'm gonna go with uh, the BU Valentine invite. There's just something about getting on the BU track, nor no matter how slow you are, and no matter how non-elite of an athlete you are, you feel like an elite athlete, right? You get on there, and you know you're on the best track in America, if not the world. I don't know if that's true or not, but I feel like it's true. Everybody runs so damn fast there. You get to line up versus all the, you know, people from great schools across the the country you get to watch the pros the the elite guys run real fast that day so i love the swag that you get to walk on uh the bu track so uh valentine invite by far my favorite track meet love bu valentine invite got my got my 5k pr there i mean just awesome event love it i mean i i do have a question for you guys on this i mean i mean that was like the highlight of our that was one of the races like we tried to peak for every year your coach never let you guys run in the Valentine invite. Trent, how many times did you run in Valentine? Mike, I don't think you ever did. I did not. Uh, I I think I ran twice in it. I don't know. I don't know for sure. I mean, it was it was one of those things. It was just like you had to get her on, on the right day. You know, you had to get her the right year or whatever and convince her that you were in, you know, PR shape to, to, to talk her into letting you out there. But, I mean, even – even if you didn't get to, even if you weren't like peaking for it or something, even if it was like, okay, I'll let you run it this year, you just got on there and you felt like you're gonna run the fastest time you're ever gonna run before. But we we always went to like uh, Tufts, like humid as hell, 90 degree flat 200 meter track instead of BU for whatever reason. I mean, like being a a runner in New England is so miserable, especially during the winter. But like running running at Valentine was kind of like a rite of passage and kind of made it all worth it. I think she just didn't want to deal with the logistics of having to take everybody and sit through the <laughs> long track meet. It was like, probably true. <laughs> all right, so I could go a 
a million different directions with this last pick. I had, let's see, I had the Harpoon five-miler running through my head. I had the Skyhawk Invitational cross-country meet where I showed right. up to your guys' home turf, and I, I just dominated through down my PR. You know, not a big deal. Um, you know, a bunch of different directions I go with this. I'm going to go with something that's kind of, you know, sentimental. So this is, I'm going to go with the Good Times 5K in Lowell, Massachusetts. It's a race that I've been running since I was in high school. It's been going for almost 20 years. It's a Tuesday night 5K in the middle of nowhere, Lowell, Massachusetts, that gets out like 300 to 500 runners every Tuesday night. And it's the fastest 5K that people will never know about. So you have like every, on any given night, you have like 10 to 15 guys that could win just duking it out for a 5K. That means nothing. There's no prize money. There's nothing that you get for winning this race. It's just people that are looking to get a workout, looking to get, looking to compete, but more importantly, looking for an excuse to have a bunch of beers on a Tuesday night. The after party is awesome. It's at, you know, it's a bar that has a patio downtown. The beers are flowing. You have, you know, you have uh, people winning awards. It's just a great time. I met my wife at this race, you know, uh, six years ago. Or, yeah. Seven years ago. <laughs> uh, I, I proposed to her at that race a, a few years later. So the Good Times 5K in Lowell, Massachusetts, has got to take the third spot on my personal podium. Just the sleeper pick of the century. There it if is. You're ever in Lowell, there it is. If you're ever in Lowell, then you should you should check it out on a Tuesday night. Also, another sleeper honorable mention is the uh, Irish Clover Five Miler every March. So check that out if you're in the area as well. Steve, yeah. the uh, the race that you you know met your wife and engaged is number three. I know. I, know. List. I mean, I, was... I guess it wasn't in particular order, but I mean. What do you want me to do, guys? I had to take. I had to take. I took Marine. I took the Marine Corps Marathon and the 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 Falmouth Road Race. You know, two that were gonna fly off the board if I didn't take them. So a couple other honorable mentions I had. I had uh, the Reach the Beach uh, Ragnar Relay and just kind of Ragnar Relay in general. I think those are different and kind of fun races. I had shout out ultra version. Don't do the ultra version. Yeah, do don't the- do the ultra version. I had shout out uh, Trent in uh, SAV Racing at the Erie Marathon. Mm. It's you know one of the last marathons in the calendar before the uh, Boston qualifying. It's lightning fast. You just do two uh, half mile loops around a lake, and you know they have one of the best uh, BQ percentages in the game. So if you're looking to get that last minute BQ, head to Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, I think that rounds up my shortlist. I have a, a very long list, but that's my shortlist of honorable mentions. Yeah, Erie almost made mine as well. I mean, it is the flattest of flattest of flat courses. And for like a, a course that you get to BQ at um, or go for one, you get to park like right next to the starting line yeah, and walk. Sure. There's no there's no logistics as part of it. It's the cheapest marathon ever. Gotta love Erie. Um, I was surprised you guys didn't put the uh, the 5K at uh, Atlanta after the half marathon on there. <laughs> I thought for sure you guys would have picked that one. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good yeah, one. it's just a great race. We just got out it's there, competed hard, you know. I have a cost t-shirt a, from it, so that's good. <laughs> cost, cost a lot of, it was like the most expensive 5K I've ever signed up for in my entire life. And then like somewhere around. 
two o'clock in the morning it was just like yeah i'm not going back like, <laughs> but if but if you got the t-shirt for paying then i think you know that, that counts as he kind of did it um i also had i mean there's the classic races i mean you kind of went with yours steve maybe you had a better story than i could have put with mine but there's some classic like hometown races that um you know just just special to you and maybe nobody else so i appreciate all everyone's you know local 5k uh old port half marathon portland maine one of my favorites super scenic you run around this like big bay out there um in downtown portland love that one um but you guys you guys took a few good ones out there so i gotta i don't have too many honorable mentions you guys did a good job taking the good ones off the board all right that was fun i'm glad we did that this was a, another great episode. Uh, why don't we kick off the bell lap? Mike, what do you got for people on the bell lap? My bell lap, I just want, we kind of already touched on it earlier in the episode, but I just wanted to shout out the match this past weekend. So we've been kind of preaching that our sport needs to start doing creative and different things. And in a time where people are craving for sports, the golf match this weekend was the most viewed uh, cable network golf tournament slash matchup of all time. And more importantly, what I wanted to shout out was it was my last real chance to root for Tom Brady completely unbiased and just with all of the passion left in my heart and not seeing him in, you know, a, a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform. So I decided early on that despite my love for Tiger Woods, there are very few people I would root against Tiger Woods for, but Tom was one of them. Put all my heart into rooting for Tom, and man, did he stink. But what I will say is it would have been the coolest storyline ever if Tom Brady stunk through the front nine, hit that amazing, you know, 150-yard-out uh, birdie, and then ended up to, you know, almost it came almost back. Happened. And, almost came back. It almost happened so many times. Too. Oh, God, it almost man. happened so many times. It it would have been perfect, but now here we are talking about what it could have should have. But I guess my point is, is there's ways to grow sports. There's way to do cool things, even in these weird quarantine times. In this week, kind of, I, I've been the negative one on this podcast, right? I've been very like. Debbie Downer this past weekend re-inspired me that sports are not dead, racing is not dead, and, you know, we can still make this thing happen, and I'm looking forward to see what comes out of it. So let's go and be optimistic. Let's let's make this happen. Trent, what do you got people on the Bell app? I'm going to put on my, my Mike Gendron hat here and be the business guy here, talk maybe a little bit of iTunes ratings. But I specifically just wanted to – Give a shout out to uh, my friend Caitlin, who took Mike's advice to heart. Mike said, if you've already left a review, you know, go on, steal your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friends, your parents, I'd say. And I know she left at, at least two and was trying to like hack into different accounts and, and go in. So thank you, Caitlin, for helping us, you know, get by this BS iTunes rule where you can only do one rating per person. I appreciate you. Now, Steve's I mean, looking at me like, like player right there. there this had this had nothing. I had no influence on, on her and telling her to like vote for me multiple times. I'm not even sure if her reviews had anything to do with Team Trent or Team Steve. Um, she just took Mike's advice to heart, put on multiple ratings. So I hope she inspired all the other listeners to also get out there and leave multiple ratings. Well, I mean, that just kind of solidifies my win. But uh, anyways, 
um hey guys we are working on some some new gear some some new merch we're working on singlets and some hats so those are coming i want to tease those they're a little bit a little bit far away but they're coming and they're gonna be sweet so keep a lookout for that we still have a few more of the stop p2e shirts up on the website so if you haven't got one of those get them because when they're gone they're gone like i think we're gonna we're gonna do like single runs of this stuff so when it's gone you can't you can't get it again i just i just took mediums off the website so those those are gone now so um don't miss your opportunity to get one of those but um you know like that's that's how we're gonna keep going. I mean, we're we're not making any money. It costs a little bit of money to do this podcast, but that's how you can support the podcast by buying one of those. Other than that, guys, I would have run faster. But I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the joke. I wasn't looking back around the way. I ain't trying to be a player. So many things that I wanna say. You know I got a little wiser. I don't wanna lose your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love tonight hey, I ain't got any friends I can talk to No weather wrong when I'm in trouble You know I would do anything for you We don't have to keep it undercover You drinking a little brosé there, Mike? A little brosé for sure Some, uh, it's also some, like, uh, I don't know the name of it But it's supposed to be the same idea as, like, the electrolyte beer It's supposed to be, like, rosé Oh, is it for fit, athletes? Is it Fitvine? Yeah, maybe that's it. I don't know. That's the biggest bullshit. It is definitely any sort of fucking bullshit. athletic <laughs> I mean, alcohol drink. I mean, Trent, like I, I came back to life after a 2062, bro. I see, really? I, I, I might understand the like feel like electrolyte beer, but I don't think the wine is advertising like an electrolyte thing. I think it's supposed to be like just like a healthy for athletes yes. wine. I don't know. I mean, I Mike, you saw it happen where I was like on my deathbed and I had a 26.2, bro. Yeah. And, like I, I drank like a bunch of Gatorade. I drank a bunch of water, but I didn't feel right until after that beer. And I thought uh, it was yeah. gonna, I thought it was gonna knock me out. I had one of those beers and I was saying, let's go out to the bars.